Welcome to the Agency in Focus, NASA, sponsored by Lidos. Now, here's your host, Tom Temin. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Nan Harden, Division Manager of NASA Programs at Lidos. Ms. Harden, good to have you on. Thank you. Good to be here today. So let's start in this segment with how Lidos supports the International Space Station, a major ongoing program, uh, some of the contracts and so forth. What, what goes on there? So uh, in the International Space Station, there's a lot happening at this point. Uh, most people are aware that President Trump has signed the Space Polity uh, Directive 1, which changed our focus so that we're returning to the moon and then going to Mars. Uh, that puts the International Space Station in, in a position of needing to transition to a more commercial approach. So they've also published a formal strategy document that was released in March of this year that outlines how NASA plans to transition the ISS to a more commercial entity. Um, They are looking, and their vision, I guess, for LEO is a sustained U.S. commercial uh, environment and marketplace where NASA is just one of many customers and they're not paying the full cost of the LEO activities, which is what they do today. So they see one or more privately owned and operated platforms that are paid for by the commercial company's revenue rather than relying so much on NASA and the government as their main source of revenue. And as Lidos works with NASA on this, as you mentioned, there are multiple places that, that would like to see use and utilize the space station. They also have multiple launch vendors that they are kind of juggling as they seek to get people into low Earth orbit without using NASA's own launch capabilities. And is that part of the program support, and how do they juggle all of that? How do they figure all that out? Yes, yeah, so that that's true, and on our cargo mission contract, we work directly with that on a daily basis, supporting right now at SpaceX and north of Grumman that are launching, that very soon it will be Sierra Nevada as well. So it is a, a balancing act, juggling when the vehicles are able to launch and what cargo is available to take back and forth to the space station uh, when those launches occur. So that is something that we work with NASA with on a, a regular basis to, to juggle that and balance it. Is there a vision yet for how that program might work in terms of contracting? I mean, you could almost imagine an IDIQ with a multiple award schedule of contractors, and they each bid on task orders to, to do a launch. Is that what they're looking at, or how, how do you think it might work? Well, for the launches, they they have relationships with these three uh, contractors that are doing the cargo, and they purchase launches from them, and they do those negotiations and figure out how many of each and and when and all of that type of thing. Uh, The same thing will happen with commercializing the crew business with SpaceX and Boeing, and they're planning to launch crew in the very near future. So the relationships between NASA and those contractors are similar that they are moving to the types of vehicles that you were talking about where they're multi-award and the contractors bid on task orders, and that's more for the work that supports the mission that's happening on the International Space Station. So there's a a contract called REMIS, which stands for Research Engineering Mission Integration Services, uh, that is NASA's approach on ISS to commercializing services so that contractors will be ready to support a commercial environment when the ISS is no longer there to be the primary platform in LEO. So we are on that contract, and it allows us to use our own processes and procedures 
uh, to do the work instead of having to follow strictly the, the NASA guidelines and their approaches to doing things. And their goal there is to get things cheaper and faster and to allow companies to, to be more flexible because they can use their own pro, uh, processes. What are some examples so, of the types of work and processes that might be different under this integration contract and this new approach? So um, the design process is one example where there's multiple uh, processes and boards and reviews that you might go through today to get something through a, a design process. The commercial company can use their internal way of doing that, and NASA participates in those reviews, but they don't dictate how the reviews have to happen. Another example of that is in the safety world. So there's safety panels and approvals that things have to go through in order to be launched into space, and they're allowing the contractors to set up their own safety processes and take on that responsibility so that NASA no longer has to be in the middle. It sounds almost like a performance or outcomes-based approach rather than a dictatorial process, step-by-step approach. Exactly. That's that's a a good way of looking at it, and that allows the the companies to be innovative and creative in how they do things, and as long as they're meeting the requirements and delivering the products, they, they can take their own approaches to things. So, for example, if a company wants to design something that has to plug into a module somewhere on the space station... NASA would say, well, these are the specs, the bolts have to be this big, and they have to be that far apart, and they have to withstand this amount of strength. But otherwise, you can design it, as long as it fits those plug-in specs or whatever the case might be, go ahead and do it your way. Right, and that they make decisions about what types of things they will run through their traditional contracts versus this new approach. But as they move further along, we expect to see more and more run through the Remus contract where you have exactly the flexibility that you just described. Any other interesting programs we need to know about that Lidos is, is working on? Uh, so for, from the standpoint of supporting the International Space Station, uh, we have multiple programs that, that we use to support that. The cargo mission contract is the one that I mentioned previously, and uh, that is the contract where we're the prime contractor, and we are responsible for getting any cargo that's going to and from the ISS goes through our facilities in Houston, and we work with all the different launch providers, as we spoke about a little earlier. And our team really, it's their job to understand the requirements for packing and for shipping that cargo, and it may have temperature constraints, it may have vibration constraints, it just depends on the nature of the cargo. And so we understand all that and support NASA with what they're doing. We're going to pause here for a short break. My guest today is Nan Harden, Division Manager of NASA Programs at Lighthouse. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin, on the program Agency in Focus, NASA. Sponsored by Lighthouse here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. This year, NASA celebrates its 60th anniversary. That's six decades of important work and reaching new heights. And we have liftoff. At Lidos, the team of IT experts, engineers, and scientists that support NASA are exceptionally honored to enable more missions for the offices and directorates that come together to conduct deep space exploration, advance human spaceflight, and encourage the world to think beyond the horizon. See a message from the team at lidos.com slash NASA. Welcome back to Agency in Focus, NASA, sponsored by Lighthouse on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. My guest today is Nan Harden, Division Manager of NASA Programs at Lighthouse. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. 
And Ms. Harden, but right before the break, we were talking about some of the cargo mission aspects, and you had some more thoughts on that. Let's continue there. Okay. Uh, in addition to the launch processing that I was describing before on the cargo mission contract, we also sustain hardware that's needed to support the ISS on a regular basis, like cameras and audiovisual equipment and crew provisions. So we have engineers that understand all that and make sure that we're keeping up with technology and that we're providing new capability to the crew as they need it. We've won multiple innovation awards on this contract for our process improvements, and our customers tell us on a regular basis how much they appreciate that we're always looking for better ways of doing things. An example of that is recently uh, we developed a passive cold stowage capability, which what that means is that it is a a technology that is temperature-controlled stowage solution and allows uh, us to maintain temperatures of minus 15 degrees Celsius for over nine and a half days. This is important uh, for science being delivered back and forth to the space station, and the customer has been very delighted with the results that we've seen on that so far. And this is something that we brought to them as an innovation and an idea of something that we could do for them And they gave us an innovation award recently at the ISS uh, Research and Development Conference in San Francisco. All right. Look for that in the cold storage section of your local supermarket, I guess. And (laughs) I want to switch gears here a minute because I know Lighthouse does quite a bit of information technology support at NASA. And this is a big issue because you have a large disparate agency. Many different components have had their own legacy systems for many years. Tell us about the integration and modernization work you're doing there. So at at Lighthouse, Two of our technical core competencies are IT infrastructure modernization and cyber, and both of these are very important to exactly what you were just describing, uh, not only for NASA, but for other agencies of the federal government. So one of the things that we do well is we are mission-focused. We believe in building long-term relationships with our customers and understanding their needs, and so we take kind of a user-centric approach to the uh, IT modernization projects that we take on and making sure that the users and the mission are taken care of first, and then we go look at what's the IT backend that's necessary to support those missions. Uh, So we've been doing that not only for NASA, but for other agencies such as the DOD on the Gizmo program where we have 3 million end users on a global data network and also on the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers program where we have over 37,000 end users uh, in multiple data centers. And for NASA, are they trying to maybe shift, just as they're trying to shift launch capabilities to vendors and outsource some of that, are they looking for IT management, desktop, desktop support, and so on to be handled externally so they can take it off their own hands? Oh, yes. And that's that's something that NASA's been doing for for many years now in the IT world. And, you know, we understand that IT is a mission enabler. So you're there to support whatever that that customer is trying to perform. And we have an example of that where we played a critical role in the Mars rover program at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory where we enabled engineering-to-engineering collaboration in a clean room environment through the use of Google Glass. So that's a technology that we we have brought into uh, bear for NASA. And what that does is it allows, you know, people to participate in what's happening in that clean room environment, whether they're virtual or just not inside the actual clean room and suited up. 
but they can see what's happening, participate, and provide input into the process. And that was something that our customer at, at JPL really appreciated. And what about collaboration among the different flight centers? Because here are large organizations in and of their own right that have had their own systems for some time. It sounds like the answer that you're heading to is not so much building one brand new system that everybody shares, but integrating the existing systems to kind of minimize the outlays, but also get to the point where people can share and collaborate. Right. I think that that's a, a major focus and, and definitely would be true for NASA where you have the multiple centers and different missions at the different centers. So trying to find a one-size-fits-all solution for that doesn't work so well. So you have to get to the point where they can integrate what they have and, and grow what they have while collaborating across all the centers. And what about the idea of cloud data center consolidation and so forth? I mean, NASA is a massive data agency in many ways. That's a good way to characterize it. They launch things, but the ultimate output of most of what they do is data. What's their data strategy and how do you help support that? So again, I think that that is more mission specific and center specific at this point. And that's an area where a, a contractor can come in and help with providing a solution that would be more integrated for them. And data is definitely their product, whether you're doing engine testing at Cine Space Center or doing payload operations at Marshall or mission operations at JSC. It's all about the data that you're collecting and the information you're learning from the process. And I wanted to get back to the cargo mission that we started the segment with or really ended the last segment with. And give us a sense of what types of facilities that you have, because I think of NASA centers and I think of really big buildings and really big objects in them. What, what does a contractor need to do to, to be there and to support a, a situation that large with facilities on site? So our facilities in Houston are actually not inside the gates of JSC. There are, are LIDOS facilities, but we are just right outside the gates, very close, so that we have pro close proximity to our customer. Um, our facilities there include clean room, cargo packing areas, uh, electronics laboratories, foam. We, we actually are the ones that carve the foam in the unique shapes that they need to be in that, that is used for protection of the cargo when it's being launched. And we have a, a shipping and receiving area where all this stuff is coming and going with a, you know, a dock and trucks coming on a regular basis to to pick these things up and drop things off. So um, it's a lot of activity in that building, and it's really uh, neat to be a part of it. We also have a decal lab, so all the labeling of what needs to happen uh, to sh show and identify the cargo as it's being launched, all the decals for that, and a lot of the cool things that you see uh, when you see pictures of the station came from our decal lab. So, so a pretty all of that is part of our facility. Pretty diverse facility you have there. Absolutely, and a diverse group of skills of people, and they, they just they love what they do, and they're all about doing things better and, and providing a quality product to the company. We'll pause here for a short break. My guest today is Nan Hardin, Division Manager of NASA Programs at Lighthouse. I'm your moderator, Tom Tamman. This program is Agency in Focus, NASA, sponsored by Lighthouse on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. This year, NASA celebrates its 60th anniversary 
That's six decades of important work and reaching new heights. And we have liftoff. At Lidos, the team of IT experts, engineers, and scientists that support NASA are exceptionally honored to enable more missions for the offices and directorates that come together to conduct deep space exploration, advance human spaceflight, and encourage the world to think beyond the horizon. See a message from the team at lidos.com slash NASA. Welcome back to the program, Agency in Focus, NASA, sponsored by Lighthouse, here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Our guest today is Nan Hardin, Division Manager of NASA Programs at Lighthouse. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. And Nan, let's talk about Lighthouse itself for a moment. It's really not an old company, but in yet, in some ways, it actually is an old company. Tell us about the brand. Yeah, that's correct. So for some people, Lighthouse is a new brand. Uh, the, the term Lidos or name Lidos came into existence uh, when SAIC spun off and Lidos uh, took over the main portion of the company and the spinoff became SAIC. And then a few years later, they purchased Lockheed Martin IS&GS, which is the division that I came from, uh, which has a, a long heritage of doing work with NASA. So when you put those two heritage companies together, we have about 60-plus years in the space industry, and all the things that we've been talking about are the type of work that, that we do for NASA in that environment. So Lidus was founded in 1969, and so this year NASA is celebrating its 60th anniversary, and we'll be celebrating our 50th anniversary next year. Lidus' mission is to make the world safer, healthier, and more efficient through the application of information, technology, engineering, and science. That's a mouthful, but when you compare that to what I've been describing as the type of work that we do, you can see that it's a perfect fit for the background of the, of the people that are doing this work and coming into the lightest organization. And I'm guessing that among all of the giant portfolio that the company has, the NASA piece must be one of the more fun ones. Yeah, it, well, and it's also one that we can talk about. So Lidus does a lot of things that with supporting the different government agencies that we can't talk about or don't know about. But yes, uh, the Antarctic contract is another one that gets a lot of visibility. But the NASA work is is uh, very much uh, something that the public relates to and loves, and the people that are working on it. It's you know it's it's a a mission for them that they love coming to work every day and doing that. And I wanted to ask you about a couple of other contracts that are pretty interesting. Let's talk about IMOC, the Integrated Mission Operations Contract. What is that all about and what do you do there? Okay. On IMOC, uh, we're a subcontractor on that, uh, major subcontractor on that contract. And that is what we refer to as the plan, train, fly contract, which is terminology that NASA uses to describe their approach to supporting uh, the International Space Station operations as well as any other launches. So uh, we have the people that sit on console in mission control. So when you see a picture of mission control and people sitting at the various stations monitoring what's happening, those are the, the folks that are on the IMOC contract. They are also the people who plan the on-orbit schedules for the crew and make sure that the research that needs to be performed is all scheduled properly and taken care of. But um, we have experts that understand the various systems uh, that are part of the, the flight vehicles and also understand the operations that are going to happen on board. And when it comes to training crew, is this simply something that's done in front of a screen or is there also physical, psychological, that type of training that you handle and what kind of facilities does that require? 
Yeah, so most of the, that training is done in NASA facilities, and in, they're in different various locations, but they do use simulators, they use computer-based training, and, and lots of other different approaches as well, but uh, those astronauts spend a lot of time in, in simulators. Yeah, because I remember seeing films, you know, when I was a kid and showing astronaut training, and they would step up three steps on a box and step back down again over and over as that was part of, like, physical education for astronauts. Is that still part of this whole thing anymore? Right. And they also spend a lot of time in the Neutral Buoyancy Laboratory, which is the huge swimming pool where they can practice whatever they're going to need to do while they're on their mission, and it, it simulates uh, zero-G. Sure. And the other program that I wanted to ask you about is human health and performance, because this is really crucial work being done in the space station context that NASA, I think, hopes will transfer to deep space exploration in the years ahead. Correct. Um, LIDOS is a major subcontractor on the human health and performance contract uh, where we support food science, human factors, payload processing, and monitoring of the health of the astronauts. Uh, LIDOS has a lot of subject matter expertise in those areas, and we've actually been supporting that work for decades. Um, and the importance of that work is not only monitoring what's happening now and taking care of the crews that are on the International Space Station, but looking to the future and understanding long-term missions, which could be up to three years or more. So how do things change when you're thinking about people being gone for that period of time as opposed to you know, the, uh, three months or a year or six months is the way it is now? And this gets way beyond just weightlessness, too, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. It's the psychological side of things and fatigue and, and the, what's happening to their bodies themselves as they, they are in space for those durations of time. And then there's radiation, I guess, and uh, I guess also... Food. The... You know, you have to think about food differently. How do you make the food more dense and have more uh, caloric value than what you have to think about when, they're, when we can take the food to them on a regular basis like we do now? Yeah, because... The best food repeated 25 times or 100 times or 1,000 times probably someone could live with, but 10,000 times it would be kind of tough. Yeah, exactly. And so that's one of the things that they're working on. And they they work on that now to try to provide variety to the crew and uh, things that have more flavor to them and that type of thing because it would would get old. So the, the lab does a great job with that. And the food tastings that they do, some of the food is absolutely incredible. So they do great. Have you tasted some of it? I have, yeah. I have tasted a little bit of it. Not as much as others, but I've, I've had a little. I guess they it would say be... that crab cakes are, are one of the, the favorites <laughs> of people. Yeah, that would be good to take on a camping trip if you wanted, I guess, an extended taste. And I have to ask, as the head of the NASA programs for Lidos, do you get to see a launch once in a while? Oh, yes, yes. Um, I've been fortunate enough to see a lot of launches in my career. When I, I worked at Stennis Space Center for years, and we got to go for a lot of the shuttle launches, and then I, I went for the recent Orion test launch as well. So, yeah, we do we do get to see a lot of them, and it, it never gets old. Yeah, the Orion, there's a lot of punch behind that one, isn't there? Yeah. Well, that brings us to the conclusion today. I want to thank today's guest, Nan Hardin, Division Manager of NASA Programs at Lighthouse. Thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. 
I'm Tom Temin, Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search NASA. Thank you for listening to Agency in Focus NASA, sponsored by Lidos on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. The entire program can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search Agency in Focus.